Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Today's show is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. You know at the end of the program I always encourage you if you have questions for Pastor Brock to please send them to us at our website and we will answer them on a, a later show. Today we're going to take some letters and some questions. The letters first that people have written to Tom asking Tom why he has a stand the way he does and we're going to share them with you as our viewers and so that you'll get a little bit of an insight into what Tom's part in this is for answering these questions. Tom, yeah. the first email that I'm going to be sharing with people is one that didn't agree with you on something. So I'm going to read a part of it and then I'm going to ask you how you responded to mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. This person said, I doubt any of you know a gay or transgendered person on a personal level. If you did, you would know that it's not a choice that they are God's beautiful creation the way they are. They cannot help their physical appearance and it doesn't match their true gender. Would you ban a child with Down syndrome for, from participating on a team or from using a shower, from being uncomfortable? They can't help how they are born either. Don't hate and don't discriminate. And this is... Uh Jackie, this comes off of our show we did on transgenderism. Sadly, the Minnesota High School League decided and voted recently that a boy who thinks he's a girl can now play on the girls' teams. A girl who thinks she's a boy can now play on the boys' teams. And the question to be fed it out yet is, does that mean that girl then can shower with the boys and the boy with the girls? And, and yes, I would ban that. And just because a girl thinks she's a boy doesn't mean she is a boy. And this, this, so here's what I said back to her. Uh, I know about this struggle with sexual confusion. Jackie, I've struggled with same-sex attraction most of my life. And I'm grateful for the people that have said, don't give in to that. I'd be dead, I probably, Jackie, had I given in to that. So she's wrong when she, when she says that I don't understand this gay uh, stuff. Yes, I do understand those temptations. And I also said, you know, okay, maybe you don't choose your temptations in life. I never woke up and said, I think I'll choose to have this struggle. But we choose what to do with those temptations. You do choose whether you act on it or not. So, um, that, and then she wrote me back. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Part two. Part two of We went back and forth a lot. Okay, go ahead. We're going to share what this mm -hmm. viewer's response was back to Tom. Mm -hmm. She says, it's lovely to mask hate with acceptance of the sinner and not the sin. I don't understand how you can target gays and transgendered for their sins, but not divorces or people with tattoos. How about anyone who works on a Sunday or wears polyester blended clothes? You can't pick and choose which sins are worse or which of God's laws you will follow. There is also no mention in the Bible of le lesbianism or transgendered people. Transgender is not a sin. And your response, My response Tom? is, no offense, but she doesn't know the Bible. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 does speak against lesbianism as a sin. 
clearly in, in Old and New Testaments, male homosexuality is condemned. Now, here's, what, here's my response, Jackie. What you get from more liberal people is, well, the Bible says you can't eat pork, and you're eating pork. The Bible says you shouldn't have what you're ha you have on, something blended, two different tweed. You can't blend. And the Bible says that we uh, you know, uh, uh, shouldn't. Um, uh, anyway, and here's my response. In the book of Leviticus, there are certain commandments that are given just to the Jews to keep them separate from the rest of the people. Don't eat pork. Don't wear a, a suit with two kinds of... Uh, of uh, uh, and all that was given specifically to the Old Testament Jews. But also in the book of Leviticus, you have... Th that's called ceremonial law. Jesus did away with that when he died on the cross. We can eat pork. And... and uh, then, though, Jackie, there's what's called the moral law in the book of Leviticus. Don't kill, don't steal, don't rape, don't commit acts of uh, sex with an animal, uh, don't do incest, don't do homosexual acts. That's not ceremonial law. That's moral law that's reaffirmed in the, in the New Testament. So, Jackie, yes, the Old Testament teaches homosexual behavior is a sin. The New Testament does too, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6. So her argument doesn't quite work. Okay. And, you know, I, I got to say this too. If you disagree with some of these people, you are a hater. And I wrote her back. I said that's inappropriate. I think the people that really hate the homosexuals are those who are telling them, "Go ahead, God's fine with this," and that leads to often an early death. And then there's eternity. First Corinthians six nine through eleven. So who really is being hateful? Okay, Tom. She went on to respond to you that mm -hmm. why have you not addressed the fact that your original post is addressing transgendered individuals, not gays, and being transgendered is not at all a sin. Well, and I didn't say this back to her. It's because she brought it up. She brought up the gay stuff, so I responded to that. Is transsexuality referred to in the Bible? Well, Jackie, it's not because it says God made the male and female. It never says God makes a little boy who's really a little girl. That's just craziness. That's modern confusion. But it never says in the Bible that God makes a woman and puts her in a male body. What is spoken against in the Bible is called transvestitism. And it says, I think it's in Leviticus, that it is an abomination for a woman to dress as a man and for a man to dress as a woman. That is addressed. And then what does she say back, Jackie? Tom, I'm interested in your response to this because she asked you, okay. do you inform every female you see wearing pants that they are sinning for doing so? Mm -hmm. Should I tell her I'm wearing pants? <laughs> yes, you are. And my response was, it never says in the Bible it's a sin for a woman to wear pants. It says it's a sin for a woman to dress like a man and for a man to dress like a woman. And that would depend on the culture you're in. In our culture, it's not a man thing now to, for a woman to wear pants. Um, and, and then I said this, though. Uh, well, uh, well, anyway, keep going, Jackie. You can go to the next, the next response if you did. Well, she also asked you, yes, God made male and female, but that's not anatomy that's that is mentality. Yeah. And how do you explain hermaphrodites who are born with two sets of genitalia? Right. And, and my response to her, her belief is God creates people male, but he puts a, a female brain in them. My response is, where's that anywhere in scripture? And, and uh, but Jackie, the hermaphrodite one is a bit of a puzzle. There are people that are born with both sets of genitalia. And what do you do with that? Well, I think it's part of our confused, fallen world. And you know, Jackie, let my struggle with same-sex attraction, 
I don't think I was born with that. I can tell you some things I think that, that made it happen. But if they, and they haven't, Oprah's wrong and others, if they discover a gay gene, which they haven't, it doesn't change anything. We're all born sinful with something. And uh, it's called original sin. And that doesn't give me, the, if, Jackie, some studies seem to show you can be born with criminal tendencies. Well, that doesn't mean I can rob a bank, you know? So, uh, it, so the hermaphrodite thing though, I, if I remember right, one of those, the doctors can determine which of that person really more is, male or female, and then the doctors do things accordingly. You know, Tom, I'll just bring this up. I work in the criminal justice system and over the years have seen sons of original cr criminals also continue yeah. to become another criminal. Mm -hmm. And it's as the father mm -hmm. has done, the son yeah. chooses yeah. to follow in the yeah. same path. And the question is, is it nature or nurture? Is there something in the genes or is this probably the environment? Right. I think it's probably the environment is my guess. Could be both. Yeah. So then she also responded back, so I kind of jumped Go out ahead. of there, uh -huh. that God doesn't make mistakes when he creates us, but he makes gays, lesbians, and transgendered individuals all are the way God wants them to be. She says, my brother knew at age six that he was not a female. Age six, how does a six-year-old just decide they want to face that kind of adversity and hardship? They don't. It's not a choice. Mm -hmm. You preach of the innocence of children. My brother at three was free of sin and was male despite how his body looked. Yeah. And my response to her, I, I don't think she watched. This was a, a f f Facebook thing. And that's what she, I don't think she's ever seen our show because I don't preach on the inner sin of children. <laughs> I believe in original sin. We're all born sinners. Um, but she, she, she I, here, here's my response to her. her. Her brother, who's transgender, it looks like, we're all, I was told lies when I was a little boy that I think fed into my same-sex attraction. I think he was told lies. We're all told lies by the devil. The question is, are we going to buy the lies and swallow a false identity, or are we going to stand, God made me a male, that's who I am, and, and I'm not going to listen to the lies. So if I saw her brother, her transgender brother, I would just urge him to be the man that God made him to be and not to wear a dress. Okay. Yeah. Now, Pastor Brock, okay. another thing that you preach on quite regularly and talk about is the ELCA. The ELCA Lutheran Church, which right. we used to be part of. Which we did at one time. Yeah. So this is from one of the liberal ELCA viewers who yes. sent a letter to you. This is, a, this is an older man, I believe, who goes to, I believe, a very liberal ELCA Lutheran Church. And here we go. I'm going to take this in parts, yep. though, because okay. he has a series of questions. Okay. So the first thing he says is, contrary to what you say, the reason there is homosexual marriage in Minnesota is because numerous respected theologians, including numerous academic theologians, including numerous theologians of almost, of all or most Christian and Jewish faiths, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, UCC, etc., interpret the Bible differently than you do. Yeah. What did you say to him? I said to him, it's, it's sadly true. You've got the ELCA Lutheran Bishop of Minnesota 
standing up at the state fair uh, some time ago before gay marriage became legal in Minnesota. She stood up preaching against the marriage amendment that would have kept marriage a man and a woman in Minnesota. So it's because of liberal leaders like her that we have gay marriage in Minnesota today. And yes, you can find liberal scholars that will deny just about anything in the Bible. And what I said back to him is, for instance, Jackie, a respected scholar among liberals is Bishop John Shelby Spong, a retired Episcopal bishop who doesn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. He doesn't believe in the Trinity. He doesn't believe Jesus died to pay for our sins, but he's a respected scholar. And I said to this, to this viewer, I said, uh, you, you can find, find respected scholars that deny Christianity in the church because Jesus said these false prophets are coming. That's why you can find them in the church. Okay, this man also has had an ongoing conversation with Pastor Brock. So, mm -hmm. in, another, in an earlier email to me, you acknowledge that you are human and subject to error, yet you continue to preach that you're 100% correct on your interpretation of the Bible regarding homosexual, homosexual marriage. I leave it to God to judge. No, he doesn't. He has judged that homosexual marriage is a good thing. I have judged it's a bad thing. We've both made a judgment. And for him to pretend that I'm, I'm making a judgment but he hasn't, that doesn't work. But the other thing, Jackie, why am I right on this issue? Because, number one, I'm on the side of the Bible. Number two, I'm on the side of the way Christians have understood this issue for 2,000 years. Uh, Christian bishops and preachers preaching pro-gay theology, that's a new thing. That's unheard of until about, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago. So my, what I said back to him was, the question is, which preacher is maintaining the plain meaning of the biblical text? John Shelby Spong is not. And you have to do a lot of fancy footwork and gymnastics to get around Romans 121. So. He also said to you that on any given biblical interpretation subject, he reads available literature by respected theologians, and then he goes with those who are the most compassionate, and I'm comfortable that Jesus would too. Okay, so... Uh, in other words, he says there's all these scholars saying different things about the Bible. I go with the compassionate scholars. Well, so do I. Is it compassionate to tell somebody who's going to eternal hell, keep it up? And I remember old Pastor Maynard Force, who you remember, saying before he died, and talking about the new liberalism in the church and con encouraging uh, sexual sin, he said, we are nicing people right into hell. And my response to this guy is, what's the most compassionate thing I can do for someone uh, who's living in fornication, heterosexual sin? What's the most loving thing I can do for someone living in heterosexual sin? The most loving thing I can do is urge them to repent and turn to Christ. It's not loving to tell them to keep sinning so you can go to eternal hell. That's not loving, Jackie. Okay, he also asked you, what did Jesus Christ say about homosexual marriage? Because according to him, his research reveals nothing. Yeah, and you get this a lot. Well, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. My response, he never said anything about rape. He never said anything about wife beating. He never said anything about incest. Does that mean he's for those things? And my response to him, Jesus was a Jew. He believed in the Old Testament teachings on these issues. And, and, and by the way, Jesus did talk about marriage being one man, one woman. That's in... Uh, Matthew chapter 18 or 19, one of those two, yeah. Okay, he also said that even Pope Francis is coming around acknowledging that judging homosexuals and their behavior is not his role, it's God's role. Mm -hmm. 
What was your response my, to My that? response is, first of all, the Pope has not come out in favor of homosexual behavior or gay marriage. He has not done that. My response is, even if he did, as Christians, our highest authority is not the Pope or Martin Luther or any other human. Our highest authority is the Bible. And if Jesus said something is wrong or the Bible says something is wrong, it's wrong even if the Pope or Martin Luther were to say different. And again, Jackie, on this issue, on homosexuality, the Bible is clear and Christians have been clear for 2,000 years until liberalism snuck in about 25 years ago. Pastor Brock, the next letter we have was a letter that an older woman, you believe, wrote to you mm -hmm. about her husband. Yeah. Do you want to set this up I, before? Because I, I yeah. kind of gone and through this letter and there's only a few things that I'm going to bring up but I yeah. think the background for you it You know, we're on, we're on nationally now and I should tell you that the first letter, the transgender woman, if you go to pastorstudy.org and look at the upper left, I now write Facebook articles about current events and heresy in the church. That's what she was coming off of. I don't think she's ever seen our show. But go to pastorstudy.org, upper left, Facebook and you can read all kinds of articles and recent things that I've found. But this lady sees our TV show, and we're on nationally now. I think she's from down south. A Christian woman whose husband uh, was a homosexual, uh, she divorced him or he divorced her. He died suddenly in a car accident, and then she writes me this. Okay, her first question for you about her ex-husband is, can an active practicing homosexual be saved? And my response is, if there's no repentance, no struggle against sin, no faith in Christ, the answer is no. Okay. And it's not just homosexuals, it's heterosexual. If you're living with your girlfriend, it's a, it's a sin. And this is from 1 Corinthians 6, fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, homosexuals won't go to heaven. Such were some of you. Some of the Corinthians were doing that, but they repented, they put their faith in Christ, they were forgiven. Okay, but she went on to ask, could he have asked forgiveness seconds before this crash and then been saved. And I think the answer to that is yes. The thief on the cross was saved in those last few moments. So let's hope and pray that happened to him. Yeah. Okay, this is the tough question that she asked mm -hmm. you. She wants to know if it's possible that God took him home to save his soul because he knew he was not going to stop practicing his sin. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible, you know, that God will, like let's say there's a, a person who has a sin problem and they repent and come to Christ, and then uh, they're going to go back to it, and God takes them to, to prevent them from that. I think that's possible. Jackie, I think of when, when you hear of a busload of Baptist teenagers coming back from Bible camp and they're killed in a car accident, everybody sees that as a tragedy, and it is. But on the other hand, here's all these kids coming back from Bible camp with their faith strong in Christ. Who knows what would have happened 20 years later if they all would have lived to old age? Would they still be believing? I mean, I'm just guessing here, but, but uh, yeah. Well, I think, too, she's looking for a way to kind of say, would this have made a difference? Mm -hmm. But the, the toughest question I think that she asks you is, can she hope to see him again? Well, that depends. Did he die repentant with his faith in Christ? I mean, Jackie, we all commit sins after we're saved. And I'm not saying that a, a homosexual sin or a, a, a heterosexual fornication sin will damn you. We're, we're, we all still sin. If there's repentance and faith in Christ, there's forgiveness. But there's a difference between sinning and repenting and living in hard-hearted penance. I mean, if somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Brock, I had sex with my girlfriend. Can God forgive that? I say, yes, and we pray. 
Pastor Brock, I'm living with my girlfriend. Don't tell me this is wrong. And I say to him, according to 1 Corinthians 6, you're not going to heaven. Yeah. He continued to live with her, though, so in, in an essence, it's adultery, isn't it? Oh, what do you mean? He, this gal, you yeah. mean? They got divorced, and, and so he died after they had gotten divorced. And, but she still cares about well, him. Obviously, it was a heartbreaking letter. It really was. Okay. Yeah. All right. On to another one. <laughs> Aren't these fun? Most, now I, I should say this. Overwhelmingly, 90% of the letters we get are positive people that really like the fact that we take a stand for the Bible in our fallen age. But then we get a lot of grief, too. So go ahead there, Jackie. But we're going to get off on a little different okay. one now. This next person sent Tom this letter. Will you please stop maligning the Catholic Church? As a Catholic, I did not appreciate your show on John Huss. Belief in purgatory is based on Bible verses. Priests always caution. Scapulars are not a magic get-out-of-sin-free card. We do not put Mary on the same level as God and pray to her. We ask for her intercession and prayers. Okay. And Tom's response... Here's my response. First of all, if you watch this show, I'm a Lutheran. I criticize the Lutheran liberalism craziness a lot more than I do the Catholicism on this show. But I have to, you know, try to speak the truth and love to each side. We did a show on John Huss, a martyr who was killed by the Catholic Church for his uh, Christian beliefs. And so I told the story. I mean, uh, I know the Protestants have killed Catholics too, but I told the story of John Huss. In the story, I said, purgatory is not in the Bible, so we shouldn't believe in it. Protestants don't believe in purgatory, neither does the Orthodox Church, which also goes all the way back to the beginning. So if it's in the Bible, we believe it. If we don't, we don't. But we sure don't believe in paying money to the church to get grandma out of purgatory. That is definitely nowhere in Scripture. And that's what Luther was protesting against. And yes, the Catholic Church has cleaned up some of what they believe on, on indulgences, but they still have indulgences in the Catholic Church. But was Mary born without sin? Um, no, it never says that in the Bible. You know, the Catholics believe Mary was born without sin so that she could produce Jesus without sin. Because if Mary had sin, she would have passed it on to Jesus. Well, that's true. Then Mary's mother also had to be sinless to give birth to a sinless Mary. And Mary's mother, mother had, all the way back to Eve, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So how did Jesus get born without sin? That was a miraculous thing done by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we believe Jesus was born sinless. Okay, here's another one. Okay. Pastor Brock, I as most Catholics believe in Jesus' saving work on the cross as much as you. I also believe in Philippians 2.12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling means my behavior matters towards my salvation. I see no contradiction in this or taking away from Jesus' sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I wrote her back, read the rest of Philippians 2.12. Here it is, Jackie. For by, excuse me. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Next words, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So even the good works we do is something God worked in us. So God gets 100% uh, credit for our salvation. It's not something we do. It's something Jesus did for us on the cross. And I said to her, Paul had to write the book of Galatians because people were trying to add something to the finished work of Christ. The, the heretics at Galatia were saying, you believe in Jesus and you get circumcised, then you'll be saved. And Paul said, and the ancient apostles said, no way, we're saved by Christ, by grace alone, not by adding other, any other good work, including circumcision. That's the book of Galatians. 
Okay, well, those are some of the controversial ones. We do get Tom <laughs> ask people writing Tom to ask him about a certain verse or yeah. some teaching. Yeah. So we're going to take a few of those before we say goodbye today. <laughs> some groups teach that Christians should worship on Saturday and not Sunday because that's what the Old Testament teaches about the Sabbath. Is that true, Pastor? Uh, I don't believe it is true. Seventh-day Adventists insist that you have to worship on Saturday, not Sunday, because that's the way the Old Testament Jews did it. I think if you read it, the Old Testament Jews were given the Sabbath to make them different from all the nations and just to set them apart. In the New Testament, Gentile Christians are never commanded that you have to worship on Saturday. In fact, if they wanted to, they couldn't. A lot of the early Christians were slaves. They had to work 24-7. There's no way that they're going to get Saturday off if they wanted to. And so, and also, in the, you know, some of the Seventh-day Adventists say they changed the worship day to Sunday because the Pope forced it on the church in the 300s. Not true. In the New Testament, you find evidences of the early Christians worshiping on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Why? Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. It doesn't say that. But why did these Jewish believers in Christ switch the day of worship? Something big must have happened on Sunday. It was the resurrection. Okay. Another question is that you've preached on heaven and hell, but what about purgatory and reincarnation? Mm -hmm. Hebrews 9.27, as it says, it is appointed unto man to die once, and then comes the judgment. In other words, you don't come back as a cow or a horse or a human 50 times. When you die, you do die once and then comes judgment. Purgatory, again, I don't see it anywhere in the Bible. The Bible teaches heaven and hell. The Bible does not teach a third place called purgatory. Okay, this is another Seventh-day Adventist that had a question mm -hmm. for you. Our founder, Ellen White, like Luther, because she believed in soul sleep instead of hell. We do not believe a loving God would ever send someone to eternal hell. Mm -hmm. Martin Luther may have believed in soul sleep, that you go to sleep until Judgment Day, but he also believed in the resurrection of the dead and that the saved go to heaven and the unsaved go to eternal hell. And the reason we, uh, that's the other problem I think with the Seventh-day Adventists, they don't believe in eternal hell because they don't think God would do that. Well, whatever they think, in Matthew, Jesus talks about eternal punishment for the unbelievers. Eternal. Jesus said that, so that's what we need to side with. Where did soul sleep start becoming such a big thing? Well, you I know, mean, it's, it, most Christians don't believe in soul sleep. Most Christians think when you die, your soul immediately goes to heaven, all right? But um, there, are, there is talk about th those that are asleep and how they're going to be raised from the dead. My understanding is their souls are in heaven, awake, but they don't get their new bodies until the last day. That's the way I try to put it together. Okay. Pastor Brock, we only have 43, 43 seconds. 43 seconds of fun, more questions. We'll have to do another show like this. This is kind of good for maybe the rest of our yeah. viewers to know. To see what I go through. You're right. There you you are working on the other days of the week <laughs> than when we do this. Yeah. So do you want to close for sure. us? Sure. Everybody, thanks so much for watching. If you would like to see this show or other shows for free, just go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch our TV shows. You can read my Facebook postings also, upper left-hand corner, and you'll, you'll see what people are upset about. Uh, pastorstudy.org. And pray for our ministry. If the Lord nudges you to support us, to help us pay for all the airtime, that would be great. You, there's going to be an address in a minute. But thanks for watching us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. 
You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.